we wanted a rest, to be honest. And then we saw about 20 minutes cut of this Highlander film and thought, great, that's, that's us. Now, we, we had the scripts and we went to see very, you know, quite a lot of the footage that they got already. And then we all went away and all tried to write songs for various bits. What actually moved me was the sort of subplot. The main plot is this kind of violent tale of immortals fighting each other to the death up to the, from 15th century Scotland up to 20th century New York. That's the main plot. There's a kind of subplot which is a tragic love story and it comes about because the hero cannot die but nevertheless he falls in love with people who can die. So he falls in love with this girl in the Highlands and she gradually grows old and dies in his arms and he has to say goodbye to her and he has to go on. She's a, a strange kind of tragedy. And that really came across to me very strongly and, and I related it to, to my own life, I suppose, and everybody's life. I thought, you know, love always does come to an end at some time, you know. So I had this song immediately in my head which is called Who Wants to Live Forever. Welcome to Highlander Rewatched. There was a blank look in my face. I stared at Kyle. He was anticipating, what would Keith say to open up this show? And I unleashed an all right, right yeah. all over him. All right. It's, it's all over my face right now. It's a very gruesome scene here. <laughs> Welcome all to the right. Highlander Rewatched podcast. podcast where each and every week we dissect a different facet of the Highlander universe. And this week is no different. We're taking a deep dive into the 1986 Highlander soundtrack by Queen. The Queen. The Queen. I'm one of your rewatchers, or in this case, re-listeners. Oh, Keith. this is Kyle, and this is Eamon. I, I don't know about you. I didn't listen to any of this. I have uh, was it synesthesia? <laughs> I oh, see. Oh, so you saw it? I saw all the. What music. color was the kind of magic? Uh, Highland tartan. <laughs> oh, it was multi. It was a. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's a plaid. Bl- it, it's a. It's a very plaid. All of this was just versions of plaid. Uh, it's like Spaceball One. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, for those of you who might not know, well, first, you should get in the know and listen to our Highlander seven-part series podcast. That's right. On Queen, or it's not on Queen, it's on the movie. Our Highlander seven-part podcast on Queen. That's right. (laughs) This is an addendum to that. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But for those of you who might not be aware, Queen did the soundtrack to the movie, uh, and they were brought in by Russell Mulcahy, who is a music video director, and he showed the band a 20-minute cut of the movie, and they were like, yep, we're sold. They went back and started writing songs for it, and so Highlander never got an official soundtrack release, uh, although there's some like weird... It's, it says there is. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they had some high hopes, and then, uh, you know, the numbers didn't kind of come in, I guess. Wah, wah. There's kind of like a Japanese soundtrack, I think, that is out there. Oh, really? I don't know how official that is. Every time yeah. I see it, like on eBay, it's like $100 or something. I'm like, eh, no thanks. That's spicy and dicey. <laughs> but in that order. In the yeah. following year, they right. did release the album A Kind of Magic, which features a number of songs from the Highlander movie, including some... Uh, some new ones, too, that weren't featured. And unfortunately, one of the songs from the movie uh, just never is recorded ever in any place. That's true. We'll get talking about New York, New York. New York, New York. I like the other one. New, new York. York. The other New York. 
New York, oh. Spain. Yeah. When do you think it's going to get old? Well, when there's a new New York. A new New York? Yeah. Old, the new, new. old New York. <laughs> new, new. <laughs> new, new. <laughs> but this should be fun to get into this. And it's my understanding that they weren't originally going to write an entire soundtrack. They were just being asked to write one song. And they are just like, they showed up with eight. And we're like, let's yeah. do it. Which is pretty cool, too, because each member of the band like just gravitated towards things that spoke to them. And they just tackled it. And if you listen to our last podcast about Queen, we do a deep dive with comedian and podcaster of the Rock Solid podcast, Pat Francis, about like what makes each member of the band special. So special. So go back and listen to that, you turkey. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Ava's trying out a new personality where he's That's like right. a little bit mean. I take no nonsense. Yeah. I'm like the Judge Judy of this podcast. All right. <laughs> it was piss on my leg, Keith. Yikes. Isn't that the expression? <laughs> that, Does she, she say says, that? I think she says, don't piss on my leg and tell... She probably says pee. Yeah, probably. And tell me it's raining? And tell me it's raining. All right. Yeah. And we have a bailiff here. <laughs> oh, good. It's a cat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So the song that kicks off the album isn't in the movie, but it's uh, One Vision. And Queen kind of wrote this after their Live Aid concert. It's my understanding that before Live Aid, people kind of thought of Queen as kind of washed up a little bit. And their Live Aid concert was so, or their portion of the concert, mm -hmm. is so like electric and amazing that Freddie contacted the other members of the band and was like, let's write this song, let's, let's get back into it. And One Vision is kind of the result of that success. Queen shares writing credits on this song. But Meaning is, various members of the Queen. That's right. Of the Queen. Of Queen. Of the Queen. <laughs> all share the writing credit. Of the Royal Crown. This yeah. was in a movie, though. Iron Eagle. Did yeah. anyone look this shit up? I did. Well, I just looked up who it starred, which the only name I recognized was Lou Gossett Jr. He's in the Punisher, Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie. Oh, that one. Yeah, which I like that one. That's a good movie. It was directed by Sidney J. Fury, who I don't know who the heck that is. It's uh, Nick Fury's brother. Oh, okay. Keeping it in the Marvel Universe. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you want to hear the IMDb description for this? Yes, please. Song? No, of Iron Eagle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. When one man has a vision of fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> gimme, <sings> gimme. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing we didn't mention about this. This song is kind of a, a long joke about what to order at a restaurant. Yeah, when you're at Popeye's. Oh, yeah. It's clearly it, it's Popeyes. just a long Popeye's so, order. So he's just like, uh, do I want the fried chicken or the fried chicken or the other fried chicken? Give me fried chicken. Give me fried chicken. So here's the short description. A young pilot plans a rescue mission when his father, an Air Force colonel, is shot down over enemy territory and captured. Snooze fest. Here's the longer one. When Doug's father, an airport's pilot, like they leads with Doug, Doug. no introduction, uh, is shot down by MiGs belonging to a radical Middle Eastern state, no one seems to be able to get him out. Doug finds Chappie, an Air Force colonel, who is intrigued by the idea of sending two fighters piloted by himself and Doug to rescue Doug's father what? after bombing the big base. Wow. Their only problems, colon, borrowing two fighters, getting them from California to the Mediterranean without anyone noticing, and Doug's inability to hit anything unless he has music playing. Then comes the minor problems of the state's air defenses. End of description. Wow. So that sounds like a baby driver in planes. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Have either of you seen this movie? I have not. I've no. never driven a baby. Me neither. Mm. I never drove a baby Timber baby. Ironed an eagle. <laughs> but it's interesting, like, yeah, the band did kind of come back together because the previous album they had released was, I believe, Hot Space. 
mm. which was like on the verge of breaking the band apart. Like it's a kind of funky album. If you never heard it, check it out. After the release of Another One Bites the Dust, like Michael Jackson actually was the one who like really pushed for Another One Bites the Dust. He was like, mm. this is a hit where record companies were like, I don't know what the deal is with the song. He's like, no, it's like danceable. Like it's got a great beat. Uh, so then for their follow-up album, Queen was like into like, hey, maybe we should make some dance songs and this is where you get like what's on this album here got this invisible man you got talk back i believe Mm -hmm. which is very dancey a roger taylor tune uh these are not my favorite (laughs) queen songs at all and also after this album then like brian may went out made a solo album freddie went out did a solo album like everybody was kind of doing their own thing but like you said Eamon Live Aid was the thing that kind of brought them back together so yeah so One Vision does not appear in the Highlander soundtrack I am of the mind that it is written for the Highlander soundtrack though it's written in 19 the summer of 85 so it's part of the recording sessions when they did the Highlander soundtrack not to mention like this has like the credit it credits the whole band but the original song was by Roger Taylor Mm. And it's funny, in interviews, he's like, I don't even know what the song's about anymore. Like, this is not what I wrote. <laughs> so anyway, he wrote it about Martin Luther King. And I think you can see, when I was young, I had a dream. I wonder if that dream line is perhaps something that was a little bit left over. But I think the emphasis on the oneness, like, is very much influenced by Highlander, because that's a theme we're going to see throughout the whole soundtrack, that they, like, lay into the one right. theme. So I think they kind of wrote it for the movie. Um, and also, I think the the intro. I had to do a double a double take, a double listen. It starts out with this kind of spooky, and like spooky sound thing, which is very reminiscent to what happens in a kind of magic. Mm-hmm. And they use that intro, those sort of spooky sound effects, in elements of the movie, like when like, Connor like bones rattling together and like chains yeah. clanking, <laughs> clanking chains. So yeah, so you can hear in the beginning of it these kind of like ethereal sounds, which are very much akin to in a kind of magic. And when Connor's climbing the silver cup sign these are the sort of it's it's not the exact sounds but i mm. i think they're they're similar it, it made me at least think like oh it reminds me of that so spooky right whoa spooky stuff Ooh, <laughs> just in time for halloween oh that passed oh, well. <laughs> happy halloween ladies <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get like a Highlander vibe from some of the lyrics. Just the one, 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 one man, one goal, one mission, one night at a bar, like when Brenda and Connor are in the bar. Am I right? This is how I kind of looked at this album. This is going to be something I'll talk about while we go through it. I think A Kind of Magic holds up pretty well as a concept album for Highlander. Like it thematically works. And if you were to maybe rearrange the sequencing of some of these tracks. I might put White One Vision at the end. To me, this seems like if Connor, and we'll talk about the different themes the characters have, uh, or could you could view them as having, One Vision seems to be like the triumphant I won. Yeah, it does, it does have a... If it didn't have a, a joke about fried chicken at the end, yeah. it would have this very triumphant... Thing. Sure. And then we are supposed to be thinking of it that way. But I don't, think the, the song, I don't think the song is about fried chicken. It's just a funny thing at the end. And well, we should talk about where that comes from. Well, it's just Freddie screwed around. He's messing around. He, yeah. like, while singing this, he's laying down stuff about he's got one dump, one turd. John Deacon is one lyric he, he throws out there. And the problem they were having was that the syllables to end the line, they, were, they had too many lines in it. So that's why he's like, fried chicken. He needs a three syllable word. Um, and so they were messing around with different versions of that. Like one religion was at the end of some of the verses before, but they're like one religion, like it doesn't fit right. So they had to reorder some of the lyrics to make them work. Uh, but out of that was a bunch of improv scenes (laughs) 
and fried chicken was one of these sort of things. Uh, so they decided to leave that in as the end tag. It's the winner. Well, at the end of Highlander, the winner, Brent, winner fried chicken dinner. Yeah. That's right. At the end of Highlander, uh, Connor and Brenda are having that picnic. Maybe they're eating fried chicken. Oh, that could be what this is about. It's like, gimme, gimme fried chicken. That's right. (laughs) I know everything, including... (laughs) The KFC fried chicken recipe. (laughs) (laughs) Something about that line actually legitimately does take me out of it. Like, it's a little bit funny. But then it changes in my mind what the song is about. In the sense that you're going through this tortured, agonizing process. Like, all this pomp and circumstance is kind of about nothing. Which is not to say that it makes the song about nothing, but it makes the song about agonizing over an unimportant decision. Like, that's what it feels like the song is about to me by virtue of that. That, like, you're caught up in this, like, grand illusion over minute decisions. Which I think is a perfectly good thing to have a song about. That's funny, yeah. Like, is is funny, and, like, I wouldn't say makes the song meaningless, but, Mm -hmm. like, it makes it definitively not about seemingly what some of the other things in it are. How about we listen to a little bit of it, and we can just chime in and talk about what we think some of these lyrics are. I mean, in some ways, this is pretty straight ahead, but let's listen to it. Does anyone catch what what Freddie's saying here in these spooky opening lines? It's, It's, again... It comes from a uh, imp- from them improving. There it is. God works in mysterious ways. Was an improv, and then and they use it in the intro to it, and they distort it all a whole bunch. So another reference to God, which is something we talked about in our Highlander podcast. The whole that the religious element. Is that just about the chicken? chicken. (laughs) It certainly could be. (laughs) So we can talk about what key the song is in. It's probably an A. Because there's an A pedal. Or is it D? It's a little nebulous, but I think it's maybe D for some symbolic reasons later in the song. a great groove. Yeah. And this is actually what they, they did go on tour with this. Live and good way is kind of uh, the tour group. This is an amazing concert for everyone to see. But this is what they choose to open with. What's the one true religion? Good question. Pastafarian, perhaps Zoroastrian. Let's pause for a second and talk about some of this. Freddie Mercury was a Zoroastrian. He was brought up that uh because he was sarfi uh so one big tenant about zoroastrianism which might be one of the reasons queen was like reticent to take this gig is Mm. the kind of god of zoroastrianism is ahura mazda and he rules and kind of controls the universal 
powers of good and righteousness. And he is represented by fire and light. And he is in an eternal fight with evil, which is called Drudge. And the evil spirit oh, and his is... report. The Drudge, Drudge report. Is, yeah, yeah. Is report. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and the evil spirit is Angira Manu. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's like this evil spirit demon, but they're always like locked in battle over good versus evil. And I feel like that's obviously a huge part of Highlander. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if Freddy was like, hey, like I'm into this. This is like speaks to me pretty clearly. So I have no idea if the one religion uh, would actually be Zoroastrianism. Probably not. I think the idea is about it not being like religious conflict in the world, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of this could be like about when Connor was young and first leaving the village finding out he's immortal then adapting to that new reality like when i was young a dream of sweet illusion a glimpse of hope and unity but a cold wind blows and a dark rain falls that could be like him getting expelled from his community but then there's also this weird positive thing where he's immortal but maybe it's not that positive right so uh can we talk about some cool musical stuff that happens in that part so in the opening of the song we get this pedal the key is in d we're just hanging out in d there in the bass line right so d major we're a happy key everything is going okay we got one vision we got one piece one unity everything is all good right Now, this awesome opening Brian May riff is just a big play on kind of one and five. So it opens with D to five. So D, A, A, D, D, A, A. And then we drop down a step and we end up in C, the flat seven in D major. And we decorate that with its own dominant chord. So it's G, C, C, G, C, C. And then we go back to A, D. So we got this big one, five, one, five thing going on. Everything is pretty happy here. So to break it down one more time, so we're in the key of D, and so we land on D, and then we decorate that with the five chord, which is A, uh, D, D, A, A, D, D, A, A. So then we'll drop it down one step and go G, C, C, G, G, C, C, and then back to the home key, D, D. So we got this cool one, five, one, five motion going on as the kind of verse riff. Okay, cool. So everything's looking good. We're in the key of D. We got ones and fives. Everything is hunky-dory. But check it out. What we're going to do is we're going to fast forward in the song and see how they paint the lyrical changes with some different harmonies, and it's pretty cool. So now we get this kind of bridge. So we're still in D. Still in D. Open unity, the fourth of D and G. But what's going to happen to that dream? It's going to go bad. So we got a B minor or B. C. So now we've kind of changed keys. Where do we land up? In D minor. What have they done to my dream? They've made it minor. I think that's pretty cool. Wow. Let's take a fun little like sound painting. So they've taken the key and they've kind of twisted it around in the bridge. Uh, to sh- like to as you said, Kyle, sound painting to show that something wrong has happened. Ooh, right. pretty like, cool. The the dream and the vision is D, and then what they've done to it is made made, made it the the minor key. Mm-hmm. That's really just, interesting. I was just listening to or watching uh, explain the other day because this is something I imagine we will talk about later because. As you pointed out, Keith, major keys in most Western music is like the, ha- the those are the happy keys. Sure. And you drift into your minor key and tend to be like a box of sadness and things like that. Uh, 
but in a Happy. Bugs and Splain the other day, they like kind of broke that down a little bit and talked about some other cultures. And to me, that's so obvious that like, oh, minor key, that sounds sad. But that is very culturally rooted. And they're, you know, they gave a few examples of cultures where some of the only things you'll hear in major keys are actually what we would consider major keys are like funeral marches and things <laughs> like that. So it's like exactly the opposite in some places where if you heard this major chord, you'd be like, Oh, who died? Wow. That's uh, fascinating. I didn't think about that. Like we could be like in another country, like, Oh, what's this happy song about? And it's like, Nope, <laughs> Nope. <laughs> Somebody's dead. Yeah. <laughs> so is there anything else we want to say about one vision? Uh, the video is really cool. If you haven't seen that, your listeners, you can find all these on YouTube. Yeah. Um, the video has all this on YouTube, on YouTube, uh, has all this cool, like documentary footage of the, the band interacting with each other, each other, each other, interacting with each other. It's really kind of cool to see that behind the scenes footage. It's an, it's an awesome video. Yeah. The there's also cool. a documentary. Yeah. They take, since the, the video is just kind of them recording the song. There's also the footage of, if you just type in like making of one vision, it's about 22 minutes long. I want to say, and it's them working through the song and like coming up with the riffs, uh, the drum parts, the lyrics, of course, which is really fun to watch. Uh, but it's really cool to see everybody kind of working together and what everybody brings and the energy. And it's awesome to see Freddie work, see how much creative input he has and like what his uh, one vision is in mm. his head. Like just the little drum parts, like where there's the drum breakdown in the middle of the song. Mm. Like it starts off with pa-pa. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's got to be pa-pa. Like, he's like, it's got to, like, lift off the snare. And he really gets into, like, every little recording detail, which is cool. And it's really great to see them, like, layering the harmonies together. It's awesome. That was kind of our take on it. I do have a different take, which, you know, I think is one we should take pretty seriously. Uh, this is from a message board online about <laughs> oh, One Vision. The Queen song One Vision says, Clearly in the beginning, when played backward, Dear God, save our children. What the? What? It does, it does not say that. <laughs> Then the band opens up and Freddie says, save us now. It does not, that does not happen. Uh, then Freddie starts to chaotically say, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Hey, hey, now get them out, get them out. Then Freddie says, oh, hear me. I know you hear me. They rule us, rule our world. Now we serve now. Then later he goes on to say, leave, go home, go home. Leave our world now. <laughs> and finally at the end, he says, oh, sweet song, let them see this error. All I can do is be amazed and baffled, but I think Freddy is trying to save us from something really bad. Who or what, we may never know. The devil? Aliens? Demons? Trust me when I say that I've been deciphering this message for a month. <laughs> and I thank you, Freddie Mercury, for caring for us that much. I take this message very seriously. I personally think it's about the NWO and one world government. What the fuck? Maybe alien world domination, Illuminati, or something. It's real! Tupac and Michael Jackson and others died by the Illuminati. Maybe Freddie decided to just hide us a message. Jesus Christ. And then this gets a response which says, Thank you, K-Lock. By the way, K-Lock is the original <laughs> poster. For some very interesting info about the intro to One Vision. I think One Vision is about the New World Order, too. <laughs> and, that one, and that the one man to rule the world is the Antichrist. Jeez. What the fuck? So there we go. So, I mean, perhaps that's what One Vision that's is about. We really that's missed it. We, yeah. uh, sorry, guys. We should just uh, outsource the rest of this podcast to that message. It's a K-Lock? It's a K-Lock. It's a K-Lock on the, the yeah. phone air. Which just sounds like a Star Trek villain. Yeah. Hey, guys. It's me, K-Lock. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Are there any hidden messages in Fat Bottom Girls, K-Lock? I just like a little extra cushion 
for the push you. Oh, really? That's oh, okay. it? There's no deeper that message? No hidden message? No hidden message to okay. that one. <laughs> Just my proclivities, if you know what I mean. Or I Freddy's proclivities. You think it's Freddy's proclivities. Or is, wait, or, or wait, wait a minute. Why wait. is it yours? <laughs> I've said too much. Okay. <laughs> Was that hidden message actually from UK Lock? I beamed my mind nodes into Freddy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is that as sexual as it sounds? It is. <laughs> I noted him in his fat bottom. <laughs> Guys, what's the second song on the album? It's a titular song. A kind it's not a fat bottom song. Of magic. I don't know what the bottom is on like this. This is originally written by Roger Taylor. Drummer right. extraordinaire. Drums. Which, Drums. If you didn't listen to our previous episode where we get really deep into this shit with podcaster Pat Francis, what are you doing? Go in there and listen. So not to repeat too much, but one of the things we talked about endlessly was that, you know, this was a full court press from this band. Everyone's writing songs. And the drummer's getting a little action here. This is like a major highlander this plays during the end credits although the version is slightly different yeah it's a different recording uh that plays over the end credits and you do hear a little bit that kind of intro spookiness is what we talked about earlier where mac is climbing the silver cup ladder uh so it kind of appears in the movie in that case but obviously like the title of this song comes from mac's explanation of his mortality where he says it's a kind of magic <laughs> right which also makes a lot more sense in the yeah. director's cut because in the original print there was no oh they, they don't say it yeah they don't have the <laughs> the scene where rachel is like a little girl and she wonders how mac died and he's like it's a kind of magic which then gets echoed in the present timeline interesting transition from the previous song to this one because this song opens with the lyrics one dream one soul one prize one goal right it like directly picks up the lyrical themes from the previous song and brings them here yeah another uh, reason i think one vision all... is definitely part of the highlander soundtrack yeah unless of course that is also about fried chicken in which case this might be a fried chicken concept album yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's about the whole bucket <laughs> <laughs> if i had to apply this this sort of like thematic interpretation of this album i would say this is like connor's theme this is based on a line he says twice in the movie yeah and it kind of uh, and it ex- catch sprays throughout the right the series and it's like how he explains what he is it's a kind of magic so this is a song in explanation of who connor is this album is basically i know david abramovitz was talking about writing a highlander musical it already exists like this is the highlander musical and this is like the part where Connor comes out in his trench coat and is like, this would, yeah, like you said, this would be his song. His theme song, yeah, for sure. So why don't we listen to it and maybe talk over it a bit? Sure. It's yeah, yeah. Kind of magic. It's a kind of Classic magic. Roger Taylor, kind of 50s doo with the snaps. A kind of magic. One dream, one soul, one prize. One prize, where'd they get that from? Give me the prize. Oh, that prize. That prize. In the cracker jar. Another mention of light. In the previous song, we had a flash of light. Now we have a crack of light. No mortal man can win this day. All right, referring to the game. (laughs) I know. Some of it's so obvious. Yeah, that it's just like. Let's not insult our listeners. Hey, dummies, did you pick up on this? And the bell that rings, that could be like the, the buzz. The buzz? Yeah. 
The Gable Dawn of Sanity is a, a precursor to Highlander 3 when he's <laughs> locked in the asylum. But it also kind of echoes how like tor- tormenting the game is, right. and also this like if this is a allegory for the Cold War too, like this idea that there's like this fight going on for way too long, and there needs to be peace. Flame that burns inside of him, the goodness of. Zoroastrian God. <laughs> and he's hearing secret harmonies, which is interesting considering how much the quickening, which is like a connection to nature, is part of the Highlander mythos. See, I kind of was uh, thinking of this in terms of like he wins the prize. Like that gives him access to the secret harmonies. Mm-hmm. Oh, know? for sure. Like he supposedly knows enough to design a mega shield now. Yeah, no, I think that can be what that... Like, this is maybe after he wins. Yeah, because you, like, transition through that period in the song. Here, and it's like it's coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Lyrically, this is kind of the end of the song. Essentially. It is. All right, so why don't we turn it down. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> He does some Lambert laughing at the end. That's true. (laughs) It's magic. Setting it up as Connor's theme is kind of an interesting way to think about it. The other song that I always kind of think of as Connor's theme is Who Wants to Live Forever, which I'm sure we'll have a whole lot to say about. Sure. I think that epitomizes kind of the Connor we get to meet in the movie. Like, this song's really fun and, like, happy. We don't really get to see that guy. Sure. Yeah. Though it echoes one of his catchphrases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's a little bouncy when he says it's a kind of magic, but overall, yeah, that isn't really in keeping with his character for a lot of the like movie. Like, emotionally. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, the lyrically... He just gets really happy when he gets shot by Nazis. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> when he gets to reciprocate. All right, so... Let's talk about a real kind of magic, which is happening in the structure of this song. We're going to talk about something called, like, metastructure, which is something Roger Taylor actually deals with a lot in some of his other songs. Okay, so how do we want to talk about the first verse? So first, we start off in a one chord. We're still in A. One dream, one soul. Then we move up a step to B. And it's one prize, one goal. And this is actually a B major chord, which is funky because B major doesn't exist in the A major scale. B, the second scale degree, should always be a minor chord. So this is something we're going to see Queen do a lot of, which is called modal mixture. And they're going to mess around with the quality of each chord in any given scale. So again, we're in A, one dream, one soul. Then we go up one step, one prize, one goal. So everything is kind of lifting up, which is cool. And we're still in a major chord. And that major chord is important because if they chose the natural degree of this scale one prize one goal would be a sad chord and we don't want a sad chord to accompany lyrics like one prize one goal so that's significant and then we land on the four in d one golden glance of what should be and we end in one again of what should be and we're back in a so this whole thing is one and then we decorate the four with a major two chord and then we're back into one so this whole thing is kind of one four one uh if we view it kind of as having a larger structure within the verse 
So then we have a really cool thing happen in the third verse, and the third verse does a cool musical thing where it asks a question. So the lyrics go, is this a kind of magic? There can be only one. And the music that accompanies that is, once again, we are in A is our home key. A is the tonic key. And it asks, is this a kind of magic? Right? There can be only one. So those lyrics are, again, accompanied by D and A. So that's D, which is the major four chord in the A major scale. So we go four to one when it asks the question, is this a kind of magic? Is this a kind of magic? And there we get our A chord. But this is significant because in the chorus, we get an answer to that question. We now know it is a kind of magic because the chorus answers that question by saying, it's a kind of magic. And what are the chords to accompany that? None other than A to D. It's a kind of magic. And so there, we're ending on the D. So it's actually a reversal. So we got this cool question and answer thing where they've actually reversed the chords to kind of show what the it musically is almost asking a question. One is the opposite of the other, which is pretty neat. Uh, but the other thing that's pretty cool about this song is what's our bass line? Right, so let's look at those notes. Right? But then what are our chord progressions in the verse? We got A, B, D, A. So the chord progressions are actually a transposed version of the bass line. So it's been like expanded. So they take the little groove and then they say, let's blow it up, expand the whole thing. Uh, and then if we want to look at the entire structure of the song, actually like the way the chords and verses go, we start in the key of A and then in the bridge, we end up getting to four. We eventually end up in E, five, and we're back to one. So we got this cool giant thing that exists throughout the whole thing where we got one, four, five, one. Uh, and of course, it's all kind of a blown up version of the... So there we go. That's a kind of magic. That's awesome. Isn't that neat? So is this like a, a, a I know nothing about music theory. Is this like a, a subconscious thing people have in here? Or are music nerds like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Um, a lot of times, sometimes it's just a byproduct of the way music is structured. Because mm -hmm. you only have so many notes in a scale and so many choices that kind of work within the language of pop music or mm -hmm. classical music. So oh, some of these things yeah. inevitably are just byproducts of relationships between one note and another. Uh, but Roger Taylor does this sort of stuff all the time in his songs. Like, he'll have grooves or have, like, little little riffs on something, and then you'll see that somewhere else. So I think he's doing it very consciously. I mean, plenty of people that write songs are always kind of thinking this way, because it's kind of like a fun game. It's like, how can I, like, if I have a musical idea, like, what do I get to do with that? Mm -hmm. uh, and so you mess it around. Sometimes you, you might flip it upside down, that sort of thing, play it backwards. Um, are all interesting ways people take themes or chords or whatever and mess with them. And the video for this is crazy. It's uh, <laughs> this is one. This one is wild. Yeah, it's it's the cover of the album comes from this video, and it's Freddie Mercury as a like magician. We've talked about this before, but he like goes into an abandoned theater and transforms the other members of Queen who are hobos into like 
musicians and then weird cartoon people come right. out and cartoon men <laughs> which yeah. is which is like the cartoons them. on the album like, yeah i don't know who designed these characters they're cool yeah yeah so it's a nice video and, that's and russell, russell mckay, mulcay, right? yeah which is is this his only queen video he might have done one more I think, I think i think he did another one yeah but i can't remember so yeah it's pretty crazy yeah, yeah. it's one of their more like stylized videos like a lot of their videos are kind of just freddie standing around singing they don't have these sort of like stories and strong visuals so pretty cool it's great What's I next? If, I wonder if Russell Mulcahy is like, no, we're, we're doing something more interesting. Yeah, yeah we're doing it my way. Yeah, if, if, if you Cartoon want me, magicians. Yeah, yeah. If, if you want me on this, we're doing something nutty. Yeah. Next we have uh, One Year of Love, written by John Deacon. And this uh, plays on the radio during the bar scene with Connor and Brenda, where he's creepily stalking her. This falls into the category of barely in it. Yeah. But thematically is very, very relevant to the story yeah so like this is not one of my favorite songs on this album but i think it nails the spirit of highlander really oh, well it does i'm like surprised uh, it doesn't feature more prominently in the movie to well it does honest. play another time oh does it yeah so this song always i always thought this song was like well they wrote two songs like mm-hmm. love songs like this and uh who wants to live forever kind of mm-hmm. companion pieces mm-hmm. but it's like well which one are we going to use uh, right. So I and always kind of figured definitely who wants to live forever. Oh, for sure. Like that song. Yeah. yeah. So anytime like a song gets relegated to like background music, it's like, well, they don't know where to put this song. So they just stuck it somewhere. I think, though, even though I think that maybe was the impetus, like we don't know what to do with this song. I think Russell McKay was pretty conscious about what he did with this song. And mm. I will call this Brenda's theme. This plays one when Connor meets her for the first time in the bar and creeps. Her the and obviously out. it is kind of like a love theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second time it plays is an instrumental version when they have their date. It's the uh. music. It's just a piano version. And that's when Connor comes over. So I think especially the fact that they chose to use it when he comes over to Brenda's house. It's like great confirmation that like, yeah, they're probably thinking this is for this character. Because right. uh, why else? Put it why, right there. Why marry it in those two scenes? Or why bring it back at all? Yeah. So I think they probably took like what maybe was a leftover tune and made something more out of it, which is cool. Maybe it's the perv theme. Because it's what, just one year of love, so he's like hitting it and quitting it. <laughs> <laughs> or that car is hitting her and quitting her. Oh, that's in the next one. Or, or that skin cancer is hitting Well, her. you know, yeah. no glove, no one year of love. Oh, <laughs> oh that I liked that more than I should. <laughs> I like this song, though. I like the, the kind of doo feel of it and the sing-songy quality that Freddie has. And yeah, John Deacon always writes these kind of doo things. That's kind of his wheelhouse is that like old school style. John Deacon. The director of the John Deke movies are going to do the, the reboot of Highlander. Oh, cool. Yeah. John, John Deke. Deke. John Deke. Like That's a said. porno version. Yeah. <laughs> John Deke. Why don't we listen to it and talk about it while we listen? Not an intro on this song like a lot of the other songs that we... Yeah, it just kind of swells it up. It just starts. Gets right into it. I like that part. I like the the do 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 do. This is my favorite part because like like the the amount of strain Freddie Mercury like puts on his voice on these lyrics. Like he's not belting those lines out. He's like purposefully like dragging his vocal cords up with it. 
Yeah, it's a really sad song. Yeah. It's great. Which is interesting that this is effectively the theme for the the new woman, essentially. Sure. But I think it echoes a lot of what like the underlying struggle yeah. is because in the context of the movie, we're not led to believe that Connor's maybe ever even loved again since Heather. Right. And this is all about, like, do you let yourself love someone else? Uh, which is good. Let alone the lady that's investigating you <laughs> for, for murder. murder. Yeah, a, brutal, <laughs> Decapitation. a brutal yeah. murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, such, a, such a poor love story in that movie. <laughs> not with Heather. I mean, the Heather one's fine. The Heather but, one's great. Yeah. Uh... But yeah, least believable romance in movie history. And this is the line. I think. Or no, we might have skipped over. Now you have the sexy time. Which one are you talking? Oh, just the and no one ever told me that love would hurt so much, and we were like, "Yeah, Ramirez told, told you that." that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, it was just very explicit. Like, he said. literally said that to you. So this one, um, the lead guitarist bowed out so the saxophone solo could go in which i i think it's a good it's choice a, it's interesting yeah because most of their so i mean their songs are usually just four pieces so it's interesting that this is the song they made an exception for and it's a saxophone it's very uh, i think it fits into that sort of that style this like old school love song mm-hmm. with the saxophone instead of electric guitar i think that makes sense and this is where that weird video was playing on the TV that we could never figure out. We still don't know what that is. Yeah, so everybody out there, watch the scene again, and there's like fucking fast, crazy 400-speed video going on on the bar TV. Who knows what it is? I can't figure it out. Who know what it is? It's a secret. <laughs> it's, a, it's a secret message from Karnak or Karnak. <laughs> yeah, what was his name? Kronak? Kronak. K-Lock? K-Lock. 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 It was Ooh. a video that I put, it's me beaming my sex juice into all your minds. Oh, who's Worf's baby mama from Star Trek? Yeah. The next generation. Yeah. I don't know. Is it Kalar? Kalar? I don't remember. I don't remember either. Huh. Well. Well, we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. What's the next song? So the next song is Pain is So Close to Pressure. Pleasure. 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 Pressure. Under, under pressure. Under dun, dun, pain dun, is so dun, close dun, dun, to dun, pressure. My under pain. Uh... <laughs> This is by Freddie Mercury and John Deacon. And this doesn't appear in the movie? Am I correct? No, it does not. Yeah. All right. Pain is so close to... Pre- I just said it too precious. <laughs> Whatever. Pain, Pain is, is so close, close to, to pleasure. pleasure. So I'm of the mind makes a moopy. I am of the mind that... Weirdest line in cinema. <laughs> I'm of a mind to make some moogie? Moopy? 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 Whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, it's weird. This is from Batman. Love that first Joker. Tim, from first, anim, first uh, Tim Burton Batman movie. It's weird. Yeah. Jack Nicholson says some weird shit in that movie. Wait so I, I have no time. idea if this was written for the movie or not. Maybe a good chance it was. It was written between 85 and 86. And uh, thematically. There, there are some lines that I think are yeah. Highlandery. One is, um, one day we love each other, then we're fighting one another all the time. So that could be like Immortals. You know, one day they're friends, but then eventually they're going to have to fight foe to prize. There can be only one and all that. When I was young and just getting started, that could be a reference to Connor when he's a young buck and then he becomes a a mortal. Then I grew up and got my imagination. So to me, that could be like now he's immortal and now he like knows what's going on. Yeah, I think that's the strongest link to the 
to the movie because he's like literally on the the cusp of becoming a man. Like, right. He's got you know he's fixing to get married mm-hmm. to the woman whose name I don't remember. Heather. No, the other. Oh one. yeah, the like, other one. What right. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. Is when he's a pre-immortal. Right. Phase like he's kind of got it made when the movie starts. And then, but he's also on the cusp of this transformation, which is perhaps exciting and worthwhile, but is going to be filled with pain. Like being immortal is like you would think an awesome thing, but it's also not. Yeah, it's also <laughs> yeah the duality of illustrated by this the movie. shit that comes along with yeah, it. Like your friend's head getting chopped off, right? Or your wife dying. <laughs> I like that. That boom, 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 boom. Freddie singing in falsetto. Something I read on the internet is this is his last song sung in falsetto. So take that <laughs> for what it's take worth. That. Yeah. Like uh, he doesn't do a bad job, but it's not why I show up for Freddie Mercury. No, like not even close. Like. But this got another like good '50s flair to it. I think. I like that. Got my imagination. And I like that. Yeah. I don't know if that's on the guitar or keyboards. It's cool. Yeah. I wonder like what kind of pedal that is that they're like hitting the a cool musical thing they do here it's nothing too crazy but it's worth noting and is some cool word painting so the song is in c and we go ooh ooh pain is so close to pleasure but what's the chord on pleasure it's an a minor chord a minor chord is a sad chord and also this is a deceptive cadence because we go c one pain is so close to G, which is five. And then instead of going back to one again, we go to six, which is the minor chord. So, ooh, ooh, pain is so close to pleasure. So it's a cool twist. Well, and then pain's in the major chord. Right. Pain's the, yes, like, exactly. they're, they're flipping. They're flipping the script. This is like when the medicine goes down and they go up instead of down. So there we go. So some cool word painting there that wow. adds like a little layer of uh, meaning to it, I think. Or I shouldn't say meaning it, like marks it as, like they're literally demonstrating through the music what the lyrics are saying. Yeah, and that's an interesting little. So there we go. Isn't that pretty neat, guys? That is yeah. neat. And so this like, is also a thematic pull from the previous song, which is like pain and pleasure close together. Love is partnered with loss mm-hmm. always, and they're like inescapable from one another. Like this is expressing that idea differently, not temporally, mm-hmm. like the, the other one does. But Do you think that's on the songwriter's mind? I know I kind of asked this already, but it's fascinating so. to yeah. me. I, 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 I didn't, it didn't occur to me that that's what they're thinking about while they're writing the this, song. This one feels intentional just because it's so perfect. It's yeah. like, it's literally playing with your expectations and the right. words and like it lines up so well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as far as like art, inter- not to get into like art mm-hmm. interpretation, but like, I think a lot of people would do this intentionally and mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it past them. I think they're great songwriters. Like they're not just throwing together one, four, five chords over and over mm-hmm. again, which is like the basis of rock. But also, in some ways, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what Freddie wrote or wanted this to be. It's there. And if I can get meaning out of it, it works. You know what I mean? Like, right. So, 
Take it with a grain of salt take if you want. Take it. I don't know. I mean, you yeah. can take it with a grain of salt if you want, or you can be like, oh, they totally intended that. I think it doesn't really matter how much they intended it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's there, and we can interpret it for our own pain is so close to pleasure. Close to pleasure. Guys, we want to do a song that's not on the album. How about we talk about New York, New York? New York, New York. So this is played while the Kurgan is going on his joyride with Brenda towards the Silver Cup Studios in the movie. And there are multiple versions of this, too. I think they recorded a couple versions in the studio for the movie. This has never been released. There's a rumor that a full version exists. I don't know if I buy it or not. I feel like if there was a full version... It'd be out. It'd be out. They'd cash cash in on that. Uh, I mean, you'd think. You'd think. Who knows? But it's cool. I really like the way it transitions because it's like... It's kind of coming from the Hammer to Fall Mm -hmm. baseline, and it transitions seamlessly into New York, New York. Uh, and apparently, like, Russell McKay, I think, had to, like, convince Freddie to do this. Right. I want to say that, I think we talked about that in our original podcast, that, like, he wasn't really on board this enterprise. Like, nah, this is going to be stupid. And Russell was like, no, no, no you got to do it. And they did it, and it was pretty cool. Like, it's one of those things that's just, like, kind of neat. Like, one thing we talked about throughout the movie is that we kind of took the interpretation that often Russell Mulcahy is into just, like, having a visual for the visual's sake. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't need to be more than a good visual. I feel like this has that aspect to it, too. Like, it's, like, not about having some grand scheme. There's one vision right. about how this fits in. Like, he's just like, no, it'll be cool. Like, we'll, it'll play. We'll zoom out to the city. So you get like a more global view of where they come from and where they're going. It's all in New York. We have this version of New York, New York playing. It's in service of that. Yeah. yeah. That image in the movie. Do you remember when we were talking to um, Andy Armstrong? The second unit director yeah. on Highlander. Go listen to that interview. It's some pretty interesting shit. Yeah, and did it the is stunts. a good interview. He did the stunts. But he said that Clancy Brown was singing that by coincidence. Oh, right. Yeah. I wonder if that's a coincidence or if that's true. And that's like the genesis it could of be. this. That he just started singing it and Russell's like, like aha. Yeah. And I mean, that's like, a great moment like right great directors i think have an eye for like seeing those improvised mm-hmm. like things that you know that there was a chance on something and they're like oh well, let's make like make that into a thing yeah. yeah it's cool here let's listen to a little bit of it well there's only a little bit to listen to there's literally only a tiny bit And this is some great, like, kind of musical painting, too, because this is the complete opposite sort of song to be played while there's a kidnapping. Like, It is, like, menacing. It's super weird, yeah. It's a super happy song about New York, and then uh, a woman has been kidnapped and taken for a death ride in a car. Yeah. And shrieking at the top of her lungs. It has a weird, like, carnival quality, Yeah, it does. this yeah. version. Which is like this mad circus that yeah. he's on, but... It's creepy. Hey, we're having a good time, like, friends... Will friends be friends? Will friends They will be if friends. this is the theme song for Castakir, yeah. <laughs> which is the goofiest. I stand by that that is a ridiculous interpretation of this song, but I can't help write well, down like, it's, hey, it's if the, we're applying characters the to these, low, it's the sure, low, why not It's the Castigir. low-hanging fruit. <laughs> we all thought it, though. Yeah, literally. <laughs> his only friend. Yeah, his only friend aside from Ramirez. In some ways, Highlander is a thing about friends leaving you. 
Right. Because all of his Highland friends abandon him, and then all his other friends get murdered. Right. So. And he leaves Rachel, his other friend. Is she a friend or like a surrogate daughter? She's an ally. Surrogate. An ally. Like, now I always say that in questions. Guys, name three Ninja Turtle allies, allies. And then I always have to explain what I mean by ally. That's that Brad Pitt movie. That's right, with Marianne Cotier. Marianne Cotier. Directed by. Is that a Robert. A Bobby Z movie? Zemeckis? Bobby Zemeckis? I think oh, it's a, Yeah, I think Z- you're right. A Mecky. A Mecky. A Mecky. Zemecky. Zemecky. Friends Will Be Friends was written by Mr. Frederick Mercury himself. That's right. Oh, and John Deacon. John Deacon wrote with Freddie, and but Freddie yeah. did all the lyrics. Yeah. And th- this was kind of like supposed to be the spiritual successor to like We Are the Champions was this idea that this would be like a big anthem rock that like everybody could sing along to. We can end a concert with this sort of thing. Because obviously they had huge success with that song. Yeah. It doesn't land anywhere near that for me. <laughs> no, I think I agree. We Are the Champions. Do you like that song? Keith? It's not one of my favorites. Not no, one of my favorites just, either. Yeah. I really like it. Huh. I didn't used to, though. I've like What flipped. made you flip? I don't know. I just like that it's so positive and like, yeah. Yeah. It just makes me and feel yeah. good. yeah. And yeah. Like, I go, yeah, when I hear that song. This is like, for me, this is like the closest queen ever falls into like a cheese trap. Yeah, I can It's see like that. a little saccharin. Huh. All right, here we go. Let's listen to some of it. Also, another kind of doo-wop-y. Yeah. No, it's not. Just kidding. No. I rescind that. I like this guitar bit. I was just thinking about. Whoa, 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 whoa. The world is and the children are created. The other half right away. Taking all the cash and leaving you with the lumber. Got a pain in the chest. Doctors on strike. What you need is a rest. It's not easy, yeah. but you got. Are the champions. <laughs> yeah, so I, can't, I can't picture a, a whole audience of people singing that. Yeah. They're all friends, guys. It is really cheesy. It is really cheesy. I still, I still like it, though. It's good. Well, like, Freddie Mercury's kind of singing the shit out of it, but he sells it. And I like, I like that weird droning... Like, I just picture something spiraling down during that. I don't oh, know wow. why. But <laughs> it's our drone. drone a, yeah, like a drone. Barrio. Do we see any real Highlander connection on this? Or No. no. I, don't I don't think. Either. This is a extra song thrown on the album. That's my guitar impression. Nice. Do you know how uh, he gets that sound out of the guitar? How? Well, one, it's like a special custom guitar that Brian has, but the he red, doesn't. He doesn't play with thing. a pick. He plays with a coin. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But yeah, it gives it this like really bright kind of tinny sound. Like mm-hmm. it cuts through like a knife through butter. Like, <laughs> like it cuts through like wow, a coin, like a laser. It cuts through like a head, <laughs> like a head. Right. Well, nope. Well, <laughs> like a sword through an immortal's head. <laughs> Damn it! It cuts through like a head. Right. Another runner in the night. <laughs> Was that blinded by the light? Yep. All right. Revved up like a deuce. <laughs> is that what he's actually saying? Yeah. It's yeah. a. It's. It. I think what a deuce f- is a car. It's a kind of car. Yes. Uh, yeah. I didn't know what that meant. That, that's for the a lot. Longest that's time. why it's a well. famously misinterpreted Rev, song lyric. <laughs> Revved up like a douche. Yeah. <laughs> I just like that. Hey. Eamon. Yes. You're a highly talented, skilled artist. Do you have anything out there that uh, showcases your dope work? Well, I do, Kyle. 
funny you should ask. I it have... is funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Let's treat this as funny as it is. You can give us... <laughs> what can we get? hey you can get a set of five Highlander character magnets. Five? Are there even five characters in Highlander? <laughs> <laughs> there is. I was as surprised as you. So we have our Duncan McCloud. Ooh, he's the hero. We have Amanda. Oh, she's the hero. We uh, have Joe. Not quite the hero, but all right. He's one of them. Jo- he's the great, though. I'm a watcher. We have <laughs> Mythos. Ooh, sometimes like friends, enemy. sometimes enemy. Yeah, he's a little trickster like Loki from the Avengers movies. And we recycle a character, Duncan McLeod. <laughs> recycle a character. But he's a flashback Scottish Duncan. Ooh, when he's like all barbarian fine. He's all barbarian up. Does he like use his rage? He does. When he like rages, does he get like plus two to attack rolls and mm-hmm. like damage sure. resistance to bludgeoning attacks or something? That's right. These are D&D 5th edition jokes. Uh, they have nothing to do with our magnets, but where can we find these edition. things? 5th yeah, edition. Yeah, you better believe there's a 5th edition. Five magnets. Yeah, right. one, for each, one edition for each magnet. That's right. You can find these magnets on Etsy by searching Highlander Rewatch, or we have a store on our Facebook page. Oh, is that what happens when you push that shop now button? That is. That makes a lot of sense. That's so convenient. And these five magnets are only $15 for the whole kit and caboodle. Whoa, Eamon, as an artist, like if you were going somewhere and just like buying like one print, Mm -hmm. how much would that cost? That would be like $15 at minimum. Oh, and you're getting five separate things and they're fully functional as magnets? That's right. That's nuts. What kind of value is that? And where do the proceeds for this whole thing go? Like surely like to build your art empire or something. This supports this very podcast that you're listening to. This very one? Right now. This very one, my dear boy. That's incredible. So if I'm a huge Highlander fan and I've just been like enjoying our free content for Mm -hmm. like the three years we've been doing this thing, Mm -hmm. I can buy these magnets to support it? That's right. Oh, I should probably stop being a freeloader and do that. Do it. Today. What's the next song on the Highlander soundtrack? The unofficial Highlander soundtrack. Who wants to live forever? Arguably the most official Highlander song, Who Wants to Live Forever. Ugh, sorry, everyone. This song makes a million a million appearances, not only in the movie, but in the show. The Gathering, Revenge is Sweet, The Hunters, Line of Fire, Leader of the Pack, Vroom Vroom. Uh, this was one of the songs that Brian May wrote after seeing that initial 20-minute cut of the movie. Yeah, he started writing it on like the ride home. In uh, his car? Yeah. So there's not a lot of lyrics in this, in this bad boy. It kind of frames the question. And then, of all the songs on this album... This song is, like, it's pretty stark. Like, the music is kind of in the background. And it's really Freddie Mercury just, like, belting this one out for a lot of it. Like, this is, like, probably the biggest spotlight on just his voice on the entire thing. But it's, like, it's the kind of somber nature of Connor McLeod's life. Like, his immortality comes with this great price of losing Heather. And it's in a minor chord. It's an A minor. So it's, well, obviously it's a sad love song, but it is a love song. Should we listen to a little bit of it? We should. This intro's got like this very church organ-y. And of course this version is not the version that plays in the movie where Freddie Mercury sings it. This is Brian May singing the first verse. does have a pretty good voice like it's not freddie mercury's voice but he does great Want to live forever. 
I like that boom, boom. Yeah, it's really dramatic. This can go on that Pat Francis's string version. Oh yeah, the sexy That's strings. Right. And I think Michael came and did the the orchestrations. He did for this song, and he did the score to Highlander. Right. Michael Kamen's a huge rock and roll guy. He loves rock. He loves rock. Loves rock. And this is where they fuck, right? This is yes. where they fuck. This is where they fuck. Right here. Hey, tell me what's going on right now. What kind of moves is Connor putting on? So is this when he's fucking Heather? Or when he's fucking... Brenda? Brenda. Oh, it's Brenda. It's Brenda. So he's sucking on some nipples. Got those boobs out. His entire mouth is on her nipple. Oh, God, it's so gross. It, yes. <laughs> it is. I think also this, I like, the drum it. beat, it's got, like, a bit of, like, heartbeat to it, which is cool. Like that. Boom, boom. Shh. We will, we will rock you. <laughs> <laughs> that could be our bit for all, all yeah. these songs are just we will rock you. That's awesome. The video of this part is really funny because it like cuts to Freddie Mercury like whipping his head around, much like Willow Smith. enough a line that also appears in another Queen music uh, project. That's, that's right. right. Flash yeah. Gordon. Prince Sultan. nuts. Sultan? Voltan. Yeah. Voltan. Voltan. Sultan. Whatever. <laughs> Aladdin. Whatever dumb characters in that movie. Prince Sultan. <laughs> I've not seen that movie since I was in high school. I've never I've seen s- it. I feel like I've seen that movie with you since high school, but oh. well, I could be wrong. Push. I'm probably wrong. I like that song. Because it kind of rules. It's yeah. like silly. But, but it is a line that's said by... Uh, yeah, he says, who wants to live forever? That is interesting. While they're riding like fucking birds, sky scooter <laughs> sky things, scooter whatever bird. they are. Well, there, some of them are on... Flash is on a sky scooter. Voltan controls bird men. They don't need a <laughs> sky scooter because they can fly. Oh, well. Who wants to live forever? <laughs> Birdman. Why would you ride a Birdman? <laughs> I don't think they ride the Birdman. Oh, I think the, the Birdman, Birdman like had flying. them in their talons. No, they're just flying. Oh, they're just like flying. Birdman. Like okay. Birdman. Birdman. <laughs> Attorney at Law. Does that hold up? Yes. Does good. Yeah, it's really funny. I remember thinking that was so funny when I was yeah. sixteen. No, it's really good. Is a good. One of the things, just kind of like lyrically, that's interesting about the song is the song seems like there's a defeat at the end. You know, you get like the the big string build up in the middle, which sounds very triumphant, is quite beautiful. And then you get these successful sounding lyrics like, and we can have forever and we can love forever. 
forever is our today. But then it backs off and it's who wants to, it goes back to who wants to live forever, who waits forever anyway. And like the way the, yeah, like there's, there's this notion that you're like flirting with the impossible and like, you know, they go for it, but it's, it's kind of doomed. Keith is on the ivories. Tickling them. Tickling them good. Tickle those ivories, mate. And there's some cool, again, musical painting going on in this song. So this song is kind of in two keys. Uh, so it's an A minor and C major. Does anyone know what those are, two keys have in common? The relative, is that the relative minor? That's right. So we have a C major, which the uh, notes of the scale are... Right? There we go. Mm-hmm. Those same notes, if we put A... Like the C major has no sharps or flats. A minor also has no sharps or flats. So they're the exact same notes with a different tonic, which is your root note. So that was C major. But we can use those same notes and play an A minor scale, A minor natural. Ah, so these two chords or two keys are great to go between because you don't have to actually change any of your notes. So you can pivot between them super easy. Okay, guys, so let's talk about what is going on in this song. There's some cool stuff they do with the chords and the key of the song. So like we said, this key is A minor and C major, uh, but within that, it kind of travels around a little bit too. So let's talk about the first verse and what the chords are going along with those lyrics. So we start off in A minor with an A minor chord. There's no time for us. A minor. Then we move on. There's no place for us. So we go from A minor to D major, which is going to be the four chord in A minor, but it's D major. And usually the D chord would be minor in A major. So what they're doing here again is that modal mixture. They're, they're playing with both the qualities. And when I say quality, I mean, is it major or minor? So a chord that normally would be minor in this minor key is now major. There's no place for us. And then we move to E minor. Uh, So you could first maybe think E minor. Well, that's a weird chord. Is that the five of our A minor chord? But if it's a five, our fives, which is a dominant, dominants are always major because that's kind of how we know what key we're in. Uh, It's got a leading tone in it, which is the scale degree right below our tonic note. And that's the scale degree that kind of pushes you right back up into the tonic. So how do we explain this E minor chord? Uh, You might actually be able to explain it by saying it's a minor two in D. So we're decorating a D chord, which is going to come later in this verse. Uh, And again, we're mixing our keys a little bit. So we're going to start off in A, we're going to transition to that D major chord, and then we're going to decorate that chord with a two uh, of its own key, which is E minor. So then the lyrics move on. What is this thing that fills our dreams? So we're in E minor again, so still it's that kind of two chord, or it's maybe a minor five, but that's unlikely. And then we move to G. What is this thing that fills our dreams? And now we get an A chord, an A major chord. And that's a happy chord because it's the thing that, that fills our dreams. So it's a happy chord there. And then... It slips away. That slips away from us. And so we interestingly end in D major. So we started out in A minor and then end in D major. So what they've done is they've taken this key that the music is in, which is A minor. And in this case, they recontextualize when we say fill our dreams. We're now in A major. 
And since we're in major, they now decide to turn that major chord into the dominant of a D chord, uh, because the dominant is always major. So what they're able to do is use this, this might be called a pivot chord. And so they're able to use that modal mixture, the mix of minor and major, to then change kind of the, the role of this A major chord in the verse. And now this A major chord acts as a dominant of a new key, which is D. So the thing that slips away from us is now in D major. So symbolically, this is kind of interesting because the song starts in A minor and we're not sure kind of where we're feeling this song out. So maybe we're in A minor, but then the song kind of moves quickly along to E minor, G, A, and then finally in D. So just within four lines, we've shifted from A minor to D major, uh, which gives kind of like an unsettling, kind of floating vibe to this music. Like, because it keeps us guessing and we're never really sure exactly what key we're supposed to be in. But then we get the chorus. And the chorus is really interesting because it starts off in C major. And again, we mentioned before, C major is the relative major of A minor, meaning we don't have to change any of the notes in the scale to be in C major. So we go, who wants to live forever? And so we start off in C, who wants, and then we move to G, to live. Uh, so that's the dominant of C. So we go C to G, one to five. And then we'd expect this to go maybe back to one, forever. Forever's a, a positive word, you might think. But of course, in the context of Highlander, we know forever is kind of a curse. So where do we land? On an A minor chord. Who wants to live forever? And so this does two things. One, we're playing with those keys that we've been in, so C and A minor. But this move, C to G to A, is one, five, six. And when you move from five to six, in music theory, that's what's called a deceptive cadence. And it's got this really great feel to it because you expect that dominant chord to lead you home, lead you to C major. But it doesn't do it. It suddenly kind of just shifts you away. Uh, it's like a fleeting little moment there. So who wants to live forever has this great word painting of deceiving you with that A minor chord. So let's check that out one more time. Now, Kyle, you brought up a cool thing that there seems to be this element of triumph in this song, but it's like defeated at the end. So let's talk about the last chorus. Uh, and this chorus is actually in a different key. We're actually in G major now. So again, this song is in both A minor and C major because these are relative minor and majors. So you would think now we're in the major key and we lift the harmonies up to the dominant chord. So we're now in the dominant of the tonic key, which is a great way to have a triumphant chorus to finish off your song. And it's really cool here. I'll play a little bit of the actual recording. And so you can hear how this kind of builds up uh, and how the music seems so triumphant here uh, because we're going from E minor to C major and then bam, we're hit with G major as we hit the chorus. my world 
So what's happening there? So we're in, and we can live forever. So we're doing actually the same thing we did before, just transpose. So we're in G major, then we go to D major, and then E minor. So it still has some of that bitterness, but overall, this chorus is pretty uplifting, both in the music, like you can hear how rocking the tune is, uh, but again, we're in the dominant. But the way this ends, it doesn't actually give us a dominant tonic relationship, or even a four to five, forever is R today, and we end in D major. So maybe we're thinking, well, D major is the dominant of A minor, so perhaps this song is going to end in A minor. And they play with that again. You'd think the final chord is going to be A minor, but they switch it up. They don't even go to the relative major. They go to the relative's major's minor, which is C minor. So you'd expect it's going to go D to A minor, but then let's say, oh, well, maybe we'll just go to the relative major of that. So it'd be D to C major. But that's not even what they fucking do. They go D to C minor. So it gives it this really weird kind of pull down to the home key. You could maybe view it as a major two to one, which is like not the sort of ending you'd expect in a triumphant love song. So here we are ending in a minor key, this love song that we thought was gonna turn out so well. So like you said, Kyle, this love song is completely defeated at the end. And there's some really great writing here. Right, because right, the pretty... one five one is heroic right. and then, but you don't get there. Yeah, we keep kind of taking missteps on our way to get to one. Uh, which is pretty cool, I think. It makes it very, it like really amps up the sadness of the song, I think. Which is pretty neat. And again, sorry for a uh, terrible singing out there. Took it. It's okay. Back back. You're, you're pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good, babe. Cha-cha. Cha-cha. Give me the prize, babe. A.K.A. the Kurgan's theme. The Kurgan. So the next song on the album is Give Me the Prize, parentheses, Kurgan's theme. So guys, I was thinking a lot about this, trying to interpret whose theme this could be. I think it's uh, Detective Bedsit. Uh, yeah. That checks out. Yeah. He, he, just wants, real he wants that Detective yeah. of the Month prize. Yeah, he wants to be his picture on the wall. Yeah. Suck it, Brenda. You're pretty, Brenda. <laughs> this so this is, is the Kurgan's theme. Written by, by May. Brian May. If I may. If I may. Brian May. I really like this song, and everybody else seems to hate it. This is a good song. Yeah, I, I like, like this it a lot. Too. I actually do like this song. Apparently, Freddie Mercury and uh, John Deacon did not care for it. I don't know. I mean, it's like very heavy metal. Yeah. Oh, and Mulcahy hates metal. Like, he is a Duran Duran guy, not a... Duran Duran. Duran Duran. Duran. <laughs> this song is just so, like, fucking in your face, and it's awesome. What do you think the prize is? guys in this song. <laughs> yeah let's really unpack this move over i said move over <laughs> so this this version of the song actually features lyrics or excuse me dialogue from, right. the, from movie. the movie this and is something queen, yeah. queen seems to have an affinity cling, for because they do this on the flash gordon sound yeah. too is this the thing i like no i don't like, i don't either i hate when they yeah. when batman they fucking prince does this on the batman soundtrack i do not like when my movie is in my music yeah no it's bullshit you got your music in my movie <laughs> You got your movie in my music. <laughs> oh. This is a, a mashup product. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really like this song. It's a real hard rockin'. I mean, it's it's. there's not really any subtext to it. I'm the Kurgan. I'm fucking badass. I'm in your face. This in some way, I, I was trying to mold this over when looking at this as a whole album. In some ways, this feels like a mirror to Princes of the Universe. Like, it involves mm -hmm. a lot of the same imagery and a lot of the same language. But we are not supposed to like this guy. 
No. Right? But I don't think we're supposed to have negative feelings when we hear Princes of the Universe. Not necessarily. I think Princes of the Universe, well, we'll get to it, is pretty nebulous in what it's throwing down. But mm. that's also true. Also true. This is definitely an op, like, compared to One Vision, though. If One Vision is what happens at the end of the game when Connor wins, like, his version of the prize is this, like, one hope for humanity. This is, like, in some ways the antithesis of that. Like, Kurgan is in this about, like, claiming, like, give me power. I have authority over you. Uh, it's certainly a bleaker look. Shall we listen to some of it? For sure. Yeah. It's almost like if the Russians won the Cold War, am I right? And also, no surprise, this is metal, like, for the Kurgan. Like, yeah. he's very, like, mechanical and, you know, modern, I guess, compared to the natural vibes we get from Connor's music in it, which we haven't talked about the score at all, but Connor's music is very, like, natural sounding. And now we get, we get the, uh, the drone. The drone from Princess of the Universe. Yeah. I know his name. I think Queen can throw down some pretty good metal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When he like, says, here I, I am, that's so awesome. Yeah, the drone. Yeah. I used to think he was saying, yeah, give me your kings. I thought he was saying keys for the longest time. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Your puny princes. That's another connection. Yeah. Princes of the universe is the name of the song. Yeah. <laughs> Drone's still going on in the background. I hate all of this. I like that. This is really interesting with the guns. How's he taking a mechanical clang? Taking a sword and hitting the symbol. Now we get some cool stuff happening here. We get a battle that actually happens in the song. Oh, here's Connor. So we get a cool Scottish theme. So the song it itself of... actually has a battle in it, which is really cool. And here you can also hear, just like a bagpipe, the bass is just sustaining like a drone in the background. It's awesome. Is this the third we keep that like background going? Back to the Kurgan. It's the Kurgan's turn. So I think it's pretty cool. There's one solo that's for Connor, and now we have the second solo, which is the Kurgan. And this is one.
right? Like, it's fucking true. When he comes back in and says, clear the way, like, the lead up to that. Just great. Yeah. I'm like, lost for words. I would like to hear an alternate reality where Queen just has, like, an entire metal yeah, album. Yeah, that just, like, kind of lets May go nuts. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorites. It's always been one of my favorites. I'm kind of sad that so many of the people involved don't like it, but, you know, whatever. May For not got, liking the song too much. It's awesome. It, he, yeah. They perform the shit out of it, which is great. Yeah. Okay, so we got some cool stuff going on in this song, too. And, of course, a lot of that has to do with what key we are in. So this song, we'll listen to it. Uh, and I'm going to talk over it while it plays. So first, bam! So right away, we're hit with a wall of sound from Brian May's guitar. And it seems like we're in B, but then all of a sudden, we rise up a little bit. And now it's in C sharp. And we're just hanging out in this C sharp chord while he kind of is chromatically climbing higher and higher. Uh, and this relationship is really interesting because this C sharp and B is the same note relationship we see in Princess of the Universe. And it's that siren sound. The wow, wow, wow. So here we are in C-sharp major. And what a strange beginning to a song. Here's that siren coming in. And then bam, we drop down a step, and we are in B major. So that's really interesting because the entire opening of the song is like a giant weird fake-out uh, in a way, because we're not really in the key that we're supposed to be in. We're hanging out in C-sharp major. And like I said, it's kind of the siren sound, which really makes it stick out. And of course, you know, you can associate whatever you want with sirens. It's danger. This is the Cold War. We've got, you know, bomb sirens going off. So it's pretty cool that they've kept this siren element that exists in Princes of the Universe and placed it into the Kurgan's theme as well. And musically, there's another cool thing going on here, which is with the drums, it's just boom, whack boom, whack uh, which is this, like, heavy metal, militaristic beat, um, which is, like, I don't want to say hyper-masculine, but I know some musicologists who have coined the term phallic backbeat when referring to heavy metal music. But that is a topic for another day. But no doubt about it, this thing is, like, kind of a heavy metal march. Boom, whack boom, whack so next, I want to play for you guys my favorite part of this song, which is the I am the one, the only one. I am the God of Kingdom Come. Give me the prize. So let's listen to that first, and then we can talk about what cool things going on musically. Okay, so first, let's talk about the keyword. We are firmly in B. Here I am. I am the master of your destiny. So we're in B first. Here I am. B, A, B. And then we go to the four chord, which is E major. I am the master of your destiny. And we end in A. And then we kind of keep playing on that riff. So this is the groove that's kind of playing behind the whole verse one here. What's also cool about this groove is it also kind of acts as a background fanfare because we're going to see how regal this theme gets. This this chord, the B, A, B, they're two major chords right next to each other. We just played in a kind of a different rhythm. You could really imagine maybe a fanfare of trumpets would be playing this for the Kurgan. Bum, 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 bum. 
But then we get to the line, I am the one, the only one. And then we go up one full step to A. I am the God of kingdom come. And up one more full step to B. Give me the prize, which is our home key. But these aren't the normal chords you'd expect. You'd normally expect, again, some sort of dominant tonic relationship. One, five, one. But what they do is more of that modal mixture. So we're borrowing from... Uh, maybe an Aeolian mode, which I'm not going to get into what these kind of modes are, but we're dealing with a flat 6, flat 7, and 1. And so normally these would be natural, so we'd be playing the pitches G-sharp, A-sharp, B. A-sharp being the leading tone leading us home to our tonic key. But instead, we're getting flat versions of that, so just G, A, B. And this is a really great kind of regal cadence, and you might recognize it from Game of Thrones. Bum, bum, ba, ba, bum, bum. And you can hear as I play it here in this key... So here are our pitches. G, A, B. So it, it really lifts up, and it still has this great push to the home tonic key, but it's, uh, it's got a different quality to it because they're all major keys in a row. But what a cool setting for the Kurgan's theme because it's got this like real regality to it. And of course the Kurgan would have a theme that was in some ways regal, even though he is a terrible, terrible person. But another neat thing that happens here is right in between the verse, after we say, give me the prize, suddenly that siren comes right back in with the C sharp, as you can hear, and it's just wailing away. And then we drop back down to B for the second verse. Okay, so this is pretty wild. So this is not the first time they've used this sort of cadence, this flat six, flat seven, one before, uh, and it's got such a great pull to it. Uh, we've actually seen this before in One Vision. So let's talk about when they do it here. Before we talked about that verse where things kind of go awry, well, look what they've done to my dream, and we see it featured here. So check it out. We're going to be in D first. So at the end of this verse, we're going to fluctuate between that flat seven and flat six two times, and then we're going to end up in one. But a cold wind blows, and a dark rain falls, and in my heart it shows, look what they've done to my dream. So there we see the same flat six, flat seven, one progression that we see in Gimme the Prize. And it's really awesome writing. That one wants you to give something. This one wants you to not lose something. Your head. Don't lose your head. So this is by Rogier Taylor. And so we don't really hear this song in full in the movie, do we? Just another portion of the Kurgan going after, or is this the alleyway? It's played fight. twice. It's when he first, you hear a little bit of the uh, when he takes the old lady's car, you get a little of that. The first, like, Joyride 1.0. Yeah, and then when he kidnaps Brenda, right. they play it again. So it's kind of like the car theme or whatever. Yeah. We also get a, an instrumental version of this. Uh, right. Buy your darling, or a dozen red roses for your darling. That's right. Yeah. Which is a weird sort of dance remix track. Yep. That I'm yeah, not too uh, into. Yeah. I like this song too, though. It's very simple. It's a very simple song. There's... Almost nothing to it, but it's just. What does this have to do with Highlander? Don't lose your head. I'm not getting. It. <laughs> I think I'm sorry. We, I, we shouldn't shoot more on all these yeah. things. Into In fucking Highlander. Highlander, guys. 
It's re- they're reaching on yeah, this one. It's a stretch. Yeah. yeah. Perhaps this could be a Ramirez song, even though it's never played even in that context. In connection with yeah. him. No. Or in the era in which he lives. True. <laughs> but it's definitely like an advice song. I mean, Ramirez is the person song, that says, yeah. don't lose your head to him. That's actually the other uh, one on this. Don't lose your head, parentheses, the advice song. <laughs> don't lose your head. Don't lose your head. And then when Ramirez is like, don't get breathalyzed. <laughs> don't get breathalyzed, young one. <laughs> Don't lose your heart. It has these weird parts by Joan Armatrading. I don't know how you say this woman's name. That's right. Joan Armatrading. What? I don't think you're, I wrote her name down. You're betraying like, Armatrading. I was like, I can't, I can't pronounce her name, so I'll skip her. I like Uratrading Armatrading. <laughs> don't, don't lose your heart. That's all she does. She repeats him. Don't lose your heart. <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah, but I really like this song. I think it's great. I don't know. I like the part where he's like, uh, remember love stronger. I like those going up parts. Okay, Eamon, so let's talk about that part where the notes go up. Why does that sound cool? So let's talk about the verse in general. We start out in E minor, and we got this groove. So here's our groove. So now let's let's follow along with the chords here. We're going to start in E minor, but we're going to end in a different key. The verse actually ends in F major. Uh, but the trip that takes us there is a chord progression we've seen before. So here we go in this song. We get the exact same progression, the flat 6, flat 7. So we start in E minor. Don't lose your head. And we move to C, and then we do E minor to C again. Now don't lose your head. And now we go A minor to F major. Hear what I say. And we repeat that. Don't lose your way. And now we get the flat six, flat seven, one. Here we go. So we go to G minor. Remember, love stronger. Remember, love walks tall. So here we have the same musical motion again. We're going to go from D flat major. Remember to E flat. Love walks tall. So again, they've, they've given this love walks tall a kind of regal cadence, as it were, with flat six, flat seven, and one. And it sounds great. You can really feel the music arriving when you hit tall. That's pretty cool. Don't get breathalyzed. Don't get breathalyzed. The most important I could actually see Sean Connery giving the advice, don't get breathalyzed. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have no problem picturing that. Especially in Highlander 2 when he crashes through, like, a million people <laughs> in his car. Yeah. <laughs> Hit it, dude. Don't get breathalyzed. <laughs> I should slap woman, dude. What's your alcohol content? I slapped that woman, dude. Hey, and this song was in one episode of Highlander the series. How about that? Freefall. That's right. One of our most hated episodes. You know, it's well, weird that they only used it in that one episode. To be clear, it's very bad. <laughs> this song's all right. Like, this song is not memorable to me. No. I like the do 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 like that part sticks in my head. Yeah, the, but it is a short I, I little song. I can watch Ninja Turtles fight to that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The lyrics are kind of dumb. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very Highlander, but it's just kind of the same thing over and over and over again. So there's not like a lot to grab onto. Yeah, it's not like your fat bottom girls. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can grab onto all that's there. Yeah, but and I, it's weird that it's like a drunk driving 
part of the song. Yeah. I mean, is that because of the Kurgan uh, joyriding? I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, is he drunk driving? Is that what we're... I never thought he was drunk driving, but maybe he is. Yeah. Oh, new layers Maybe of he's drunk all the time. This is weird. It's weird, but, but it's, I, I it's like related. It. Yeah. It works. It works. In terms of like the album as a concept piece, this sure. is there. I could see this in like a Starlight Express style scene in the musical where they're on wheels or Roller something skates. and there's a there's a track <laughs> and one of them gets decapitated yeah and breathalyzed and breathalyzed the highlander rewatched podcast is proud to announce the release of a brand new book of short stories from acclaimed highlander writer maury ravinsky Maury Ravinsky is responsible for penning such Highlander classics such as The Fighter, Brothers in Arms, The End of Innocence, and Unusual Suspects. Maury's new book, The Heart and Other Strangers, is a masterfully executed collection of short fiction. Don't take my word for it. Listen to legendary Highlander producers and writers David Abramowitz, Gillian Horvath, and Donna Leto. You will know from all of his writing, including his Highlander episodes, that this is a man who really understands the inner mythologies that humanity has in common across society. He really explores the questions and connections that drive us. I really admired Maury's writing on Highlander and also his novel Greenkeeper was great. So I followed him to Saskatchewan in the coldest winter in 122 years to work with him on MythQuest. And I don't regret it. I love Maury's book. It had heart and charm, humor and sex and schmaltz, which means it's heart, but it's heart that's dripping with sentiment. The Heart and Other Strangers features 10 brand new stories, such as The Bare Naked Morning of Mama LeBeau, A Placebo Fairy Tale, Little Jeffy's Penis, Doc and the Bungalow Queen, and more. You know, Maury's a wonderful writer and has always been a wonderful writer. He comes at things from a very different angle, from a very interesting angle and a very humorous angle in this in this book of delightful short stories. I think it's wonderful. Head to theheartandotherstrangers.com to order your paperback or Kindle edition of the book, learn more about the author, and discover Maury's other books, such as his acclaimed debut novel, Dreamkeeper, which was named to the Los Angeles Times Best Books of the Year, or his other book of short stories, Meeting God or Something Like It. The Heart and Other Strangers injects layers upon layer of texture and meaning into every tale. Ravinsky writes that rarest of animals, literature. Order The Heart and Other Strangers today. Pick up a copy of The Heart and Other Strangers. You won't regret it. I urge you to buy Maury Ravinsky's new book. Buy this book before everyone else does. Order your paperback or digital copy at theheartandotherstrangers.com today. Ravinsky is a knowing and wise guide through the ventricles and oracles of the human condition. Enjoy the ride.
Okay, next up is Princes of the Universe. Princes of the Universe. The theme song to Highlander, the series, and the opening credit song of this movie, written by, by Freddie Mercury. Indeed. I mean, this song's awesome. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's I don't, so like, of fucking rules. So we only hear this song once in the movie. It's in the opening credits. Mm-hmm. It's a different version than what's on the album. So they recorded it a second time for the album, which is interesting. And yeah, I always kind of imagine that they added stuff, I think... That's my guess, is that mm. they didn't really write a full song for the movie. They wrote, like, mm. a theme, and, mm. like, then the guitar solo that's in it is what plays over the wrestling match. With the fabulous Freebirds? Yeah, and it also, I noticed, it ends, the version they use in the TV show is actually probably not the, a kind of magic version. It's the movie version, because in the movie, it ends with the, like, that weird, like, whooshing sound that yeah. where Duncan, like, slashes at the screen. That's from the movie. Uh, which is interesting. And my guess is that's kind of how they recorded the song and it kind of ended there maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and then they decided to blow it up and make it a whole number because it's all over the place. It is. The working title of the movie was apparently Princes of the Universe. Right. Which was the genesis of this, which is an interesting name. Sure. Yeah. Interesting hypothetical. What would the Highlander franchise have looked like if it was called Princes of the Universe? I mean, I feel like the jump to Zeist is more... <laughs> believable oh because it's, it's actually mentioning the, the universe, their, the universe? yeah, yeah. There, there's that there's also the fact that if they're trying to revisit this thing you wouldn't constantly make your main character a highlander probably right or yeah like from scotland you're not married to that guy <laughs> right yeah. or that geographic region well another mcleod that's mortal <laughs> holy shit how <laughs> improbable in any case it seems to be that the the connection to the highlander is pretty apparent throughout the lyrics also i imagine our listeners have heard them a gajillion mm-hmm. times and therefore probably don't need us to belabor them but th- there are some things in like the extended cut that are perhaps interesting sure i mean we could also just listen to like the the la- the latter part no, Dude, that shit insane. <laughs> yeah, this is this song has so many styles going on. Yeah. Like, where does this come from? <laughs> I love the way this comes back in. Now it's a double time. And that... That's my favorite part. This is I like, do like the the way they tie it up. Yeah. Like, I think great. that's kind of great. It's like six songs in one song. Uh-huh. Which is crazy. It is. It's a, it's a little odd, <laughs> it's, honestly. This, this song, anyone want to guess what key it's in? 
I don't. Guess is as good as mine. This song <laughs> has basically no key. It's like it has some like tonal centers, but in general, like it starts off in C minor, C minor. Then we're in like C sharp minor. Then we're in B minor, A major, B minor for a while. Then at the end of the song, we're into C. A, B, D, C, B minor at the end? Like, we talked earlier about, hey, one, four, five, one. Uh, we don't get more than one step away from the home key if it's B or C minor in this. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we, ne- we never go from C minor to G mm-hmm. or F. We're just like C, A, B, D. Like, these chords are in some ways unrelated. I mean, they're able to pivot between all these chords well. Uh, but it's very strange to structure a song like this, I think. What is interesting that this is like Freddie Mercury stepping into Brian May's lane a little bit. Because this song like rocks in a way that most Freddie Mercury songs do not. So I wonder if this is him like playing with a format that's like not his home turf. I don't know. And again, we deal with like that weird C sharp shows up. Uh, for a while and this song does kind of play around in B minor for a while so like there's this weird tension between these two notes I don't to me this song is like super ambiguous because it's setting up a conflict that we will see play out maybe Mm. in the movie there is no home key it's all over the place which is pretty interesting and like even the opening it's like what a weird way to open a song. So we get this really wild harmonic introduction to the song. If we think this song is in C, we don't really get there to the last line of we're the princes of the universe is finally when it ends up in C major. So it starts off with an E chord, but it's an E suspended chord. And so it kind of acts as the dominant to E because it has the pitch A in it because A is part of the dominant seven chord of E. So you could also view that chord kind of as a dominant of E, which would be B, and A, which is in the E sustained chord, is the seventh scale degree in the dominant which would be a dominant seventh chord. So normally you would hear something like this. Ah, there we are. But the E sus chord has a similar sort of vibe to it. We can hear. Ah, and there we are. We have arrived. What we're going to do is we're going to work backwards a bit. So if C is our home key, the chord before that is a G. So G is the five of C. So that's five to one. Great. That's a confirmation of our home key. Anytime you have five to one, it's like, ah, we've, we made it somewhere. But how do we decorate the G chord? What comes before that? A D chord. And what is a D to a G? That's the G's five chord. So we've got a five of five, then five, one. And then we could view that E as kind of like maybe a major two. So we got two, five, one, which is a pretty classic harmonic structure. So the way this all shakes out is we go two with E, Then we get a five of five, five, and then finally one. So for a rock and roll song to kind of open this way is pretty grandiose, and it matches the kind of vibe of the song totally. It's a rock song. You expect the very first note you hear to probably be the key you're in, and it's completely not. This thing's a wild ride right from the beginning. And lyrically, it's it's malevolent in a way, but then it's also not. Like, I'm immortal. I have inside me blood of kings. I have no rival. No man can be my equal. Take me to the future of your world. And then I have 
your world and my hand are taking me to the future of you all, mm-hmm. I should say. But then it's, I'm here for your love. Whereas the Kurgan is like, hey, fuck you, move over. Right. I'm here to take your shit, dude. Yeah. And palm your princess. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to palm your prince. So it's, it's like, it's not exactly inviting, but it's not evil. Right. But it's just so rocking. Just so rocking. Like, I would get so excited when Highlander would start on the TV because I'd hear this song and I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, well, it's time yeah. to go. It does another kind of interesting thing. Like I said, it, we get all these like five of fives, which is the dominant of a tonic uh, in the beginning, which is like, here we are, born to be kings. Right? Five, five, like, so this is very like regal in a way. Five, 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 one, right? But then it does another kind of regal uh, cadence later in a similar line, which is born to be kings, princes of the universe, which is... Uh, this would be called a Phrygian cadence, and it's very Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're born to be kings, princes of the universe, right? Mm-hmm. But let's just play that. So that's our... Mm-hmm. That sounds very Spanish. You imagine a Spanish sword fighter when you hear a chord like that, I think. You guys tracking? I don't know. Uh, I'm on board. Zorro. Yeah, exactly. So another very regal-sounding uh, interpretation of those lyrics, I think. But yeah, uh, this song is fucking all over the place. And maybe that's what it gives it so much energy. Like, mm. it is unpredictable at every turn. Like, the, the chord progressions are bananas. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Well, then, like, the bring on the girls part comes out of nowhere. <laughs> sure, yeah, that does. entire segment, it's like, huh? Yeah. Although, is that in some ways a reference, like, when he says, people talk about me, I hear it every day? Like, are these self-referential lyrics from Freddie? And then, you know, he's like, oh, bring on, bring on the girls, like, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. Or does that reinforce the, the kind of gay themes in Highlander? Yes, exactly, right. Yeah. There's a lot of homoeroticism, as we discussed in the... Our movie extravaganza. Move extravaganza. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they perform this live a lot. Seems like a hard one to perform live. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, now we have to do this. No, next. next. Uh, It's fun as shit. They're experimenting with some coke at the time. But I love this song. This is my favorite Freddie Mercury song. It's good. Probably just because of my history with it, but... That helps. I love it. No, it's great. He's good. He's good. So we have one more song, I believe. One more song. That's not on this album, but is in the movie. Hammer to Fall. Hammer time, guys. This is another great rockin' track from Brian May. So this was actually written, not written for the movie. This was applied to the movie. This is from 84, from the album The Works, right? So it's pretty cool, I think, that they saw that this song made a lot of sense in the context of the movie. Uh, Brian May has always said that this song is just kind of generically about death coming for you. Mm -hmm. But obviously during the Cold War and the associations with hammers, like the hammer and sickle image, that the hammer to fall... They literally reference mushroom clouds. Right, exactly. And so that also is significant because when do we hear this song in the movie? Right before Castigear gets it. It is. It's playing in the car of the guy that says, like, send our nukes, like the guy's t-shirts, like, send the nukes to Moscow or whatever. Oh, right, yeah. Like, so it's really, it's like, again, they zoned in on, like, hey, this is about a Cold War, the Cold War, and they assign the song to the weird Cold War fanatic guy. Yeah. So Gun pretty intentional stuff. Gunnut, yeah. right. What do they call him in the movie? I think it's Gunnut. Yeah. I don't know. It's I something was... survival nut Surv- or something. Yeah, survival nut. I think yeah. it does involve yeah. the word survival. Yeah. We can agree he's nuts. He is nuts. 
You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. That's the second Batman 1989 reference on this episode. <laughs> so should we play a little bit of it? And I think we should, because this song kind of rocks. This might be my favorite song on the soundtrack. What? Mm, it's I not love, even it's on the there. album, you butthole. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Strong words. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> That is really grim. <laughs> yeah. I love the part where, where it gets to what the hell we're fighting for, like the lead up to that, because like, it's just like, I just want to scream it louder and louder. And, and then it actually like, 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 there's the crescendo and there's the crescendo. And then the chorus ends up being like the thing you are screaming, which is pretty cool. Uh, like, yeah. I think it's got, like, extra punch to it. But, yeah, this is a great song. So I love the way the chorus sounds. And it's also cool because the chorus is actually different every time. The first time we hear the chorus is, You don't waste no time at all. Don't hear the bell, but you answer the call. Then the second time we hear the chorus, the v- words are, Toe the line and play the game. And then finally it all cul- culminates in that final verse, which is, What the hell we fighting for? 
Which is really great, of course, the way that all builds up. But one of the reasons I feel like the chorus sounds so nice is we've seen a lot in these Queen songs that they're kind of hopping around keys. They're doing a lot of like modal mixture where they're mixing minor and major keys and chords that kind of don't belong in that scale. But in this case, it's actually really straightforward. So we get... So in this song, we're dealing with a lot of ones and fours if we're in the key of A. Which has got three sharps. We got a C sharp, an F sharp, and a G sharp. But the way they've written these chords is we go A. So we start off in the tonic, what the hell? And then on hell, we go down to E. What the hell? We've, and then we're down to D, which is four, five, and four, and then we're back on our tonic. So the motion of that is we're in A, one, one, and then we go to five. And so you might expect, would this go one, five, one? What the hell we fighting for? But it doesn't. There's actually kind of a deceptive cadence here. And before we talked about deceptive cadences going to six, so if this was a deceptive cadence that went to six, we would hear one, five, six, A, E, and then F sharp minor, which would sound like this. What the hell we fighting for? But instead we get a different kind of deceptive cadence because it goes A, E, one, five, and then to four. Uh, so we're not ending up in one like we'd expect, and we're not ending up in six like some deceptive cadences might do. And we get this cool cadence again where it's four to one, not five to one, to finish the lyric out. And this is called a plagal cadence, and it's very calm. There's no leading tone. Oftentimes, this is a chord that's associated with, like, church music. Anytime you sing amen in a hymn, it's probably a plagal cadence, and it's very relaxing. Things just kind of sink right into the tonic. So let's hear what that all sounds like. What the hell we fighting for? It's really great. But one of the things that also makes this so great is what's called voice leading. So let's just listen to how nice these chords kind of sound together. What makes this all sound so nice to our ears? And first, what is voice leading? Voice leading is what makes chords sound nice next to each other. So for instance, the very first two chords of this is a one and a five. So we have an A chord. Here we go, and then a five. But I can put those notes in any order I want, and it doesn't sound too nice when they're next to each other. Boop, boop. We're jumping all around on the keyboard. But if we rearrange those notes, we can actually make them kind of seamlessly flow into each other by being close to their neighbor. So what we can do is, for instance, in this one five four one progression, the top line, the treble line uh, of the music is going A, G sharp, F sharp, E. So it's just falling right down. There's not, it's not jumping around at all. So then what's our middle line doing? A C sharp, B, A, A. And so that's also just kind of falling right in the groove. It's not hopping around. And then we got our tenor part, which is right in the middle. And that's also doing something very similar. It stays on an E for two notes and then D, C sharp. Okay, so this whole time in my left hand, I've actually been playing the root notes of each chord. So one, five, four, one. I've been playing A, E, D, A. 
But that's not actually what's going on in the song. The bass player, John Deacon, is playing a pedal. And this is significant because, like I said, a plagal cadence is part of religious music, and pedals are also kind of part of that tradition. And so what a pedal is, is where you just play a tonic note under all of the other chords. You could almost think of it like a drone. So what John Deacon is playing here is not A, E, D, A, but rather just a sustained A the whole time like this. And the reason this is great is because it lets all those chords just kind of float above the tonic pitch because they're all so closely related. So when we put all that together, we get these chords that just kind of slowly kind of blend into each other and fall right down to our tonic. I think it's just super pretty and it's awesome that they're just kind of wailing out this cry for help well they've got these kind of beautiful chords and voice leading going on there we go fucking rules man hammer to fall do we have any thoughts on this as a whole like as a whole package i think the album's awesome but it's also just because it's related to highlander like i think as a highlander concept album it works really well i might resequence the songs like and put them in a different order. Maybe putting one vision at the end. Maybe at the end, yeah. Maybe right after this. Right. Having to fall into one vision makes sense to me. But I think it does some really dramatic stuff. Like, I think the kind of sword fight that happens in Give Me the Prize, where you hear, like, Conor McLeod has, like, a Scottish bagpipe solo on a guitar, followed by, like, a metal solo. Like, that sort of stuff is really creative. Yeah, I mean, I said it before, but this is, like, the Highlander musical album Mm -hmm. and i think it works really well that way and everybody kind of has their own theme and it kind of flows in together there's some like unrelated songs in there but as we've shown they kind of fit in you might have to shoehorn them in a little bit yeah but uh yeah there's some shoehorning that goes on yeah they like like, we're like we need to make this a full album yeah like let's we need to like don't lose your head why is that connected to anything right like they just really, really stuff that in. You have to yeah. want it. Yeah. I mean, it's very possible those sort of things came out of like an improv mm-hmm. sort of, you know what I mean? Like they're just messing around with lyrics from it, little riffs. And yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, we kind of like this. I mean, it's definitely, it's the shortest song on the album, yeah. I think, yeah. right? It's just like one verse. Don't lose your head. Well, then they lose their head and it's like, whoops, whoops. But yeah. No, people should listen to this album, and, and really the entire Queen discography. But you can catch this album on its in its entirety on Spotify. Uh, it's also available on YouTube. Sure. So take it iTunes. down. Yeah, you got to pay money for that. Yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that. Oh, boy. Money. I like the, the Michael Kamen edition in Who Wants to Live Forever. I think that's a good addition to this, and mm-hmm. that gets some more Highlander goodness in the album. Yeah. yeah. I wish we got an official Michael Kamen score CD. I agree. There's some really yeah. great music in the soundtrack or in the score. Do you guys have a favorite track? Give Me the Prize yeah. and Princes of the Universe, which, not to beat a dead horse, but I just love Princes of the Universe it's great. so much. Kyle? For me, I mean, Princes of the Universe, I kind of just give an asterisk to off to the side also just because it's a very odd thing like i almost like the short snippet of it better than the whole song in some ways yeah i remember I the first time i heard the full version of the song like what yeah. <laughs> i was like what's happening like because yeah. it's like this is a different song and i remember it took me a while to like warm up to it like i remember not liking it at all like when it got like to the halfway yeah. point i was like eh, this isn't for me <laughs> time to turn it off yeah yeah so i think i go give me the prize and uh who wants to live forever who wants I'm to live right. forever is great i don't like this slow like kind of love songs generally mm-hmm. but I mean, it's I'm such 
such a good that, song. But yeah. They just do the shit out of it. Also, it is probably the thematic centerpiece of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's pretty strong. Yeah. Mine, I think, might be Hammered. I love Hammered to Fall. Love the groove. Uh, it's great. And then One Vision's really good, too. One Vision. I love, really like, good. the drum break in One Vision. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. <laughs> there it is. So you should keep a lookout for this album and more exciting Queen stuff. You should listen to our discussion of Queen with noted podcaster and comedian Pat Francis. That's where right. we take a deep dive into a lot of their discography and our favorite songs by each member of the band. Plus, we'll be coming at you like Cleopatra with a review of the movie. That's Before right. you even know it, Bohemian Rhapsody, which is coming to a theater tour near you, I imagine. That's right. It's good stuff. Uh, make sure to write us at HighlanderRewatched at gmail.com. If you have thoughts on an interpretation of the soundtrack or songs or the way the music relates to the movie, send us your thoughts and we'll read them on the air. And what's your favorite song in the album? I answered that already. Not you. The listener. Oh, sorry. I thought <laughs> it was about you. I thought you were just like, what's yours? It's like I said it a minute ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, tell us what your favorite song is, and we'll read a, a boring list. <laughs> we'll just say <laughs> Just them. be like, oh, John likes this song. Princes of the Universe again. Great. <laughs> cool. Keith, what's your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> For the fourth time, I think it's Hammer to Fall. It doesn't count. It do- that doesn't count? It's not on the album. It's in the movie, but... So what? I think it counts. That counts. <laughs> I think that counts more than One Vision does. Yeah, One Vision's... Not in the movie, but clearly... That's how Cyclops sees. With one vision. With one vision, <laughs> right? A Cyclops or the mutant Cyclops? The X-Man. Oh, okay. Despite <laughs> his Summers. two eyes, he only has yep. one vision. One vision. Well, thanks again for listening. We've been your re-listeners. Yeah, we have been your re-listeners this time. I'm Keith. Hey, this is Kyle. And this is Eamon. Bye. 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 Much like Canor McLeod. Canor. He's a sad boy. Sad boy. Aren't aren't those those alt-right guys? Yeah, the the sad sad boys. boys. (laughs) Sad boys. Hashtag sad.